Hello, and welcome back to the JW Nixon High School Class of 1992 podcast. I'm your host, Missy Barrientos. For this episode, I reluctantly handed over the reins to Matt Garcia. Keep listening, and you'll find out why. I think hopefully I'll do a good job on this one today. We'll see. Well, guys, I'm so excited to be bringing you the interview, the long-awaited uh, Melissa Parientos. Missy, as many of us call you, how do you spell your name? Well, to be honest, that first question was just to get people comfortable answering questions. But yes, my name is Melissa Barrientos. A lot of people didn't know. A lot of people in high school didn't know my name was Melissa. They all knew me as Missy, but nobody ever spelled it correctly because I spelled it M-Y-S-S-I because I was a Cindy Lauper fan back in the 80s and I wanted to spell my name like she did. So there you go, Missy, M-Y-S-S-I. <laughs> Well, Missy, let's hop in our time machine and head all the way back to 1992. I've set the dial. In we go. You mean 1991? Okay, 1991. You're always (laughs) correcting me. (laughs) What were you like as a teenager? I thought I was nice and smart and fun, but... I pulled out, I've pulled out the yearbook. I've had this out for a year now, almost. And I was just reading some of the comments that people left. So as I said, I thought I was nice, but here are the comments. Through all the accidents and all the weird stuff, you've been a pretty cool friend. I'll always remember the times you were mean to people. Somehow it always made me laugh. Don't change because I'll call you if I ever need someone to be mean or criticize someone else when I can't do it myself. There's another one on the same page. You've been a truly terrific friend throughout the years. Thanks for always being there when I needed a friend. Perhaps the thing I'll remember most about you is when you were mean to me, which was most of the time. (laughs) Don't ever change. Uh, To wrap it up. You are one of my coolest. You're one of the coolest people I know. It's amazing how close we grew in spite of all those fights we had as quote unquote children. I'm glad we turned out this way. Uh, Missy, you know, you're my favorite. I've never stopped loving you, my dear. Anyway, I have to say, oh no, that's not one of the mean ones. I don't know who that is. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Missy was up too bad. We didn't get along when we first met, but now you are cool. Missy, it's weird how you turned out since the fourth grade. You actually came out cool. Anyway, when you get married, make sure to invite me so we can dance country. I don't know how to dance country. (laughs) That is interesting because I think one of the, I mean, we've been, you and I have been friends and in school since the first grade. Is that right? Yes. When we were at Ama Pierce with Miss Colossus. And I'll share this. I'll share this with everybody. Most people who are, you know, hang around in our groups know that, you know, one of my earliest memories of you is you taking my lunchbox, or I don't know, maybe it was your lunchbox, and slamming me over the head with it. <laughs> it was my lunchbox. It was a Charlie's Angels lunchbox, and it wasn't your head. It was, I was aiming for your nose. Well, see, you see the trauma that I've been, that, that I've been carrying. All you were going years? around kissing people without permission. I don't know. Without I was a lover consent. back then. It was, it was the 70s. 
no. level three. No, it was we were rude. all just people. You were going around kissing people, and I did not think that was cool. Even at six years old, I thought that's a violation, and that's why I hit you. <laughs> Always want to speak your mind, maybe or with my fists. In this case, <laughs> my lunchbox. But then that's not, I mean, speaking one's mind is, is not being mean. What do you think was behind some of those uh, comments that people wrote you? I don't know. I guess they were coddled. I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I have no idea. And I don't know. Speaking of, of friends, who were the... Who was your gangas? You like to, uh, as you like to ask, who were the people that that you hung out with, and and who was your best friend? Are you going down the list correctly? That are you jumping around the questions? I'm going down the list correctly. Two uh, A. Oh yeah, like that's right. Okay. Two <laughs> D. What do you think your classroom place thought of you? <laughs> To see who is okay. your best friend? Who do you think you're talking to here? Come it's on. my fault. I'm the one who jumped the line. Okay. <laughs> Senior year, I would hang around a lot with a couple of juniors. And those were Maiva um, Garcia and Claudia Cisneros, who's now Dr. Claudia San Miguel. And we would just hang out because we had been in band for together in the same section for so long. And we were kind of just... Band, used to each other right. hang out. we're in the drums right percussion and, and outside that, hmm? and that and as percussion you didn't just do one instrument right you did a whole bunch i did everything but snare and tritoms or quads and wow. i would i did the concert bass drum i did the gong sometimes i did timpani i did bells chimes marimba vibraphone cymbals crash cymbals not hi-hat cymbals and yeah, that's what I would do. And every summer I would haul out the majority of those instruments to the baseball field or the football field in the middle of the day to rehearse and to practice because I couldn't get the freshmen to help me. That was, I guess that was another reason people thought I was mean because I had to yell at the freshmen to help me set up the instruments. But <laughs> uh, yeah, Claudia and Maiva. And outside of band, I'd hang out with Elsa Saavedra and Lisa Navarro. Lisa was a year behind us. Oh, love them. Yeah, and Elsa, now How did you meet them? Because they weren't drama peers. No, funny thing. Elsa's mom and my mom have worked. They worked at Mercy Hospital together. They worked in postpartum for decades. And they are the original golden girls. Because I would make fun of them when we were in high school. I'd say, ha, ha. When, they would, when my mom would go with her friends, Elsa's mom and other friends, who the, the their gang now includes um Debbie Gonzalez's mom. I don't remember her mom's name, but their gang includes Debbie's mom too. But I would call them the Golden Girls. I'm like, oh, where are the Golden Girls off to now? <laughs> of course, they were probably younger than I am now, but that's what I would make fun of them. So that's how that's kind of how I knew Elsa. We weren't really close, but our moms knew each other and we would see each other at work parties, holiday parties. And then we ended up just being in some of the classes together. And Lisa was friends with Elsa. And so that's how we were all friends. And then Lisa was also in debate. I remember that. That's right. Because she and Laura Valdez, right? They were pretty good friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about Laura Valdez. I heard Lalo's interview yesterday, which is great. Um, and I was listening to that. What about your old, your like, 
I mean, I kind of felt like I was kind of part of your ganga. Was I just misled all those years or was I some secret that only to be brought out during holidays? Yes. I'm only <laughs> counting the people I could call after nine o'clock. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. My parents didn't allow me to have anybody to call after <laughs> 830, I think. They had to be very, very strict. Yes. I mean, but we wouldn't socialize that much outside of school, I guess, school or school related things. I remember we did that, um, oh, Beef Wellington, our senior year, well, that your mom did, Beef Wellington, our senior year for English class. I remember that. That Yeah, we did some sort of steak with like cinnamon and raisins, some medieval festival. That was your mom. Yeah, it was a Beef Wellington because it had to be covered with some sort of bread type thing. Well, I think we became closer friends after after high school, actually. Yes. Is, well, we hung out more. Mm-hmm, exactly. So um, with these friends that you were in band with, would there be a special hangout or place that you all would, would it just be at the band hall or where would you all go? We would, gosh, I would say, I want to say that we mostly just get in my car or my parents' car and drive around it's mostly what we would do is just the ford probe well it was before the probe oh it was a a cutlass oldsmobile cuts yeah cutlass something oldsmobile something and we would just drive around pretty much we'd go to the movies maybe go to the mall but we'd just hang out in the car now would you skip school too funny story and this shows how much of a nerd I thought I was or I was or whatever but one time I think it was I'm pretty sure it was I don't remember when it was but it was when the movie JFK came out I took government during the summer because I took summer school and everyone else like everyone else basically in our class was going to go see JFK in the mall and I wanted to go see JFK so I had a permission slip from band and I had my teacher sign it giving me permission to go see this movie (laughs) (laughs) for which class I was not enrolled in. So that was the one time that I skipped such a, such a dork. (laughs) No, that's adorable. Yeah. Now that I think about it, JFK, uh, the movie is like, "Mm, yeah. Could have spent three hours at home. Of all the things to do, instead of going to school, you're going to go watch a historical movie. I know. You could have at least watched Star Trek or some other movie. Yeah, no. So did you have uh, any jobs after school or was band so intense that you they didn't leave much room for doing anything after school? Well, band was intense, except I quit slash was kicked out at the start of this of our senior year. What? I don't remember that. Yes. I had a percussion instructor who, for some reason, didn't like me. And I had been practicing our music all summer long. And then we were, the school year starts, and he puts me on marching cymbals. And his reasoning was that I didn't know the music. And I wasn't playing the cymbals. And then I went to the band director and I said, I don't know the music. Oh, I asked him, why was I put on cymbals? And he said, because you don't know the music. And I said, yeah, I don't know the music to the cymbals but I can play the xylophone. And then he said, no, you're staying on cymbals and stop talking back basically. So 
I walked back to the field and I kept walking to the uh, fence. I put down my symbols and then I walked to the payphone and asked my sister to come pick me up and bring my uniform. And I turned in my uniform and that was the end of my band senior year. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But even without band, I would not have been able to take a, get a part-time job one, because my family was not connected to anyone who could help me get a job. And you know how it is in Lada, you need connections to get a job. And two, I had uh, younger brothers. So I had to babysit. My mother worked evenings. My dad worked out of town and all that fell on me. So I had to go home and take care of my brothers, you know, do laundry, cook, pick them up from school, all that kind of stuff. So that fell on me. What did your mom say when you told her what happened? She was happy. My parents had always been against me being in band because it took up so much of my time. It took up a lot of time and they hated having to go pick me up and drop me off. And my mother just hated that, but I did it and I enjoyed it. So she was thrilled. But for me, it felt like, I mean, I've never been divorced, but it felt like I had a divorce because I had been tied up to my identity for so long and then I'll, and I was good at it. And then all of a sudden I didn't have that. And it was as if I had done something horrible because then friends that I had in band, they kind of didn't talk to me anymore. There were very few, they were kind of like shunning me. So that was not a good feeling either that just added to it. But I think I got over it in like a couple of months. And so um, looking back on it now, do you regret that you did that? Or would you have advised your younger self to handle that situation differently? Uh, I don't know. I would have definitely challenged the person, the little freshman that they put on my instrument. I should have challenged her to play the music because that's what you could do. You could challenge somebody for a position or a chair, but I was just such a hothead and I was just, you know, I, I, I didn't even know how to march because I never marched. I was always in the pit. So I was falling, you know, tripping over my own feet and then the music was going and I, you know, you have to play your instrument and walk at the same time. I mean that, uh, excuse me, I'd rather just haul a concert bass drum across town because that is easier than having to play and count and walk. And being the Laredo sun, which I'm sure was no walk in the park either. Yeah, I have all the sunspots on my face for that, to thank for that now. So, I know what your mom means though. My parents, I remember, you know, I was in band in seventh and eighth grade uh, in Lamar with you. Mm -hmm. But when I went over to high school, my parents pretty much were against me joining the band or being in the band because they felt it would take away from my academics and they really wanted me to focus on my academics. And so they thought that band would just end up monopolizing too much of, of my time. Although I bet you, now that I reflect on it, they probably just didn't want to pick me up late from school. Probably. That was probably <laughs> because if anything, if everyone in my section starting freshman year, I was the only one who never failed. Well, I don't know about Jaime, but of everyone else, except for my Van Claudia, I had never failed a class. Nobody had to, I never had to go to a teacher and say, can you raise my grade so I can go marching or so I can participate or so I can go to that. And everyone else in my section basically did. So the whole academic stuff, I don't know. I mean, it's a good excuse, but yeah, they probably just don't want to pick you up and drop you off. It was a hassle. Now, did Maiva and Claudia, did they 
did they kind of ostracize you also when no they happened? quit they quit they quit with <laughs> you in support they, they quit not in support because they knew there was nobody there who was going to cover their asses or watch out for them so they quit shortly after i did and they joined golf do you remember the name of the of the teacher that had taken over i do and I see him and I've seen him around and he's one of the head band directors in town mm-hmm. and and I would see him when I would go to Daniel's events or at band events and I would just glare at him yeah and just like snarl if I could I'd punch him in the gut and kick him in the nuts if I could but <laughs> not because I quit band and I loved it but because oh he's such a jerk he's such a jerk really I know I know what you mean did that, um, you said you spent a lot of time helping out at home. Mm-hmm. Um, were you in any other clubs? I was, let's see. Um, there was band. There was the science club, NASA. I was in honor society, but I just had the card. I wasn't very active in it. After I quit they band. Do stuff? I don't remember huh? the honor society doing stuff. I Well, they had officers. I never even knew that there were officer voting. So I assumed they did stuff. I was in um, FHA, Future Homeworkers of America. I even got a scholarship from them. No way. Yeah, I was in debate. How did you do that? Let's talk a little bit. Because I'm good. And I was in journalism, but then they canceled the class because they needed our teacher to teach ASL. Okay, so what did you want to (laughs) learn? I want to know a little bit more about FHA. What what, uh, are you doing that? Well, it goes back to junior year. Again, I took summer school every summer that I could. Why was that? Well, summer school every in high school, every summer I would take summer classes because it was my mother's dream to be like my sister and graduate at 16, but that was never going to happen. But I still took summer classes and I had all these credits and then I had gaps in my schedule and they wouldn't let me take time off and I didn't have a job. So I couldn't leave for work. So junior year, I ended up taking advanced science and nutrition one semester, and then the other semester, interior design. And my teacher, and I forgot her name already, my teacher really liked me because, I mean, I knew, I didn't know how to cook like lavish meals, but I knew how to cook and I knew how to do stuff and I was smart. So she, um, instead of having me cook or do any of the other activities that everybody else was doing, she'd have me grading papers and filling out her grade book, you know, putting the Christmas lights on the Christmas tree, that kind of stuff, like an admin, admin work, basically, right? Free admin work. (laughs) And when we got to our senior year and I had to, again, get, take classes, I thought, well, I'll just take home economics, already kind of taken it. And that teacher likes me. So I signed up and um, again, I was able to do some stuff and I knew how to sew because one semester is sewing and the other one's cooking. And you had to sew. And so I was kind of, I, I didn't need any much help. And the teacher again would ask me to grade papers and do more admin stuff. So because, you know, of all the free labor that they got from me, they gave me a check for $300. Wow. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. I think it kind of opens up a whole other aspect of your personality that I didn't really discover until recently with uh, some of the hobbies that you've taken on, uh, we'll kind of keep that secret for a little bit until okay. later on in the interview. Uh, cause we're going to be talking a lot about that. Oh yeah. We skipped over what it is that I do now. I am in 
media relations. Oh, we haven't quite gotten to that. You're getting a little bit ahead. We're actually still on to G. (laughs) Okay. And we need to keep this under an hour. So a lot of Denise Santos Phillips will listen to it. Okay. I, uh, it seems to me that you have a little issue with control. Uh, it seems to me that you don't like the one being asked questions. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I'm never. Just relax. Okay. You've never what? I've never been the expert on, I mean, I've given talks and classes, but whenever a reporter comes to me for an interview, they don't, they come to me to schedule an interview with an expert. So it's a little bit weird. Well, we all want to hear all the dirt and, and learn about what your typical day was like. So you said, you told us a little bit about what you did when you got home from school. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did your typical first part of the day looked like would your mom have to play Tejano music to wake you up Did her... uh, no she would yell at me and I had an alarm clock but I've never been a morning person she would yell and she would just kind of tell me that I'd have to walk to school if I didn't get up so okay fine so I get up shower and then she'd have a, um, an omelet sandwich or a taco or something ready for me and then she would either drive me to Saunders, which is three blocks from my house. And she didn't drive me because she thought I was a delicate flower who shouldn't walk. She drove me to make sure that I got on the bus. So I would take the Metro to, to the school. So she would, I would, she would pack my lunch and I would eat it in the car basically. And then we'd wait for the bus and I'd get on the bus. She'd see me off and then I'd go to school and then walk to campus. And then later on, I guess she got lazy and she just, would just take me drive me to school (laughs) (laughs) and h buses or was it a straight drop off no it was a straight drop off it was on we got get on saunders then make that turn on bartlett and then that was it oh wow that was a straight shot that that was like that must have been like but where would you pick it up at at logan no bustamante uh monterrey a month a day. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, well, what are your some of your? I mean, do you have favorite memories from high school? I do. Uh, I really enjoyed all the out of town trips we took, and I took a lot because you know we took a lot with um, science class or science club, and I took a lot of trips with band, and I really and and UIL, and I really enjoyed those trips, and I enjoyed winning, going somewhere, and then just kicking ass, and that was. That was a lot of fun, just showing up from that and kicking everyone else's ass. So that was fun. And um, I guess just hanging out with friends, cruising, driving by guys' crushes, houses that we had or something. And No, we spoke a, a little bit about how you weren't in band the last year. Uh, was that your your biggest regret, or did you have a another event, another memory that was a regret oh my God, yes. made you sad? Yes, it's a huge regret, and it wasn't from senior year. It was from tenth grade. For some reason, I had the crazy idea that the band, I think, I think it was a fundraiser for band, should have a dance at the gym. And Mr. Luna was like, okay, we'll have a dance. You organize it. I'm like, what? and I asked for volunteers. Nobody wanted to help me. So 
there was organizing. I don't know how we found a DJ. I don't, I, some people who went to the, that I sold tickets to were helping me set up decorations and it was a big flop. And, um, obviously didn't know anything about marketing and publicity back then. And it was just a few friends. It was more like a little party, but I had to work the entire time. So that wasn't any, that was my biggest regret having the stupid idea of having, but you know, I tried. So there's that. Who was there? Like, like, uh, was it at the band hall or? No, it was at the gym. And the only one that I can remember being there was Albert Muniz, I think. And that's because he was tall and he was helping take down or put up decorations because I couldn't reach, obviously. Nice. Wow. Oh, my gosh. What about the cool kids from senior year? Do you you remember any of them? Who, Who were they? Well, obviously, I was one of the cool ones, as you know. I of read course. from my from my yearbook. Person company excluded. <laughs> but I, I guess, I don't, I don't know who I thought was cool. I thought my friends were all cool. I thought I was cool, but I guess the people who were the senior class favorites were cool. Everyone else thought they were cool. Obviously, enough to vote for them. So they were the cool and popular kids. Who was teachers? I can't say that I really had a favorite teacher, but I mean, there are some that I've grown to appreciate since having graduated. Miss Leindecker, I've become uh, pretty good friends with her sister. And we talk about Janet because I can call her Janet. We talk about Janet. (laughs) (laughs) And there was Mr. Martinez from English. Yes, he, I, I learned from a cousin or a second cousin, one of my dad's cousins, who was taking a remedial class with him at LJC, that he would brag about his GTN honor students to his remedial students, (laughs) (laughs) which is, you know, kind of mean or bad or whatever, but he would brag about it. Motivating your your students. Like if my 15 year olds can do it, what can you do? No, but so then our cousin, my dad's cousin, uh, Sochi, she would, she was telling somebody, my mom or my dad or somebody. And my mom said, Oh, that's Melissa's Mimi, Missy, whatever they call me. That's so-and-so's teacher. And that's, I, I kind of gained a little bit of respect for him. And, you know, cause he was actually proud of his students. He was proud of us. So, and he would buy us Chick-fil-A. He did not go that. back where? He had it in his syllabus, and I remember holding it up to him and saying, "Hey, look! You said that if we all behaved for X number of weeks, you buy us Chick Fil A," and he bought us Chick Fil A more than once. And so his, respect on his, on his teacher's salary, you were well. Dan and LCC, LJC, <laughs> his adjunct salary. Uh, we we did have some some really really good teachers. English was always hard for me I always found English to be one of the harder classes what about you which one did you struggle with a little bit or were you just awesome at all of them I struggled with senior year I struggled with calculus the first day in class the teacher put up a problem on the board and I could not figure it out and I felt like I was out of place I had no idea what was going on 
And then when she said, okay, we're not going to look at the answers and we're going to work out the problem. And then she said, oh, I wrote the wrong problem. <laughs> I was like, fuck this shit. <laughs> and I just went and changed my schedule. I'm like, I I'm not see her saying that. <laughs> I was like, I have no patience for this. I, I'm out of here. Yeah. We so were a little short fused in high school, weren't we? I yeah. Well, What's up with that? another 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 experience where the hot weather. Yeah, the hot weather. Just don't have time for any shenanigans. Let's get to work. <laughs> Man, you were tough. I was. Favorite music. Favorite music uh, always, huh? Amadea. Madonna. What? Madonna. Do Madonna. Prince. Oh, you are a huge Prince fan. I'm still a huge Prince fan, except I I'm not a huge. I mean, what is it about that guy that people he's think so he's so sexy hot? and talented? My what? God, he's so talented. Then a toothpick. Talent is talent. Talent counts. Talent counts for a lot. But I'm still a fan of Prince. I'm not a fan of whoever's carrying on his legacy now because Did he even say Prince isn't he like some symbol or something? He like... was the artist formerly known as Prince. Oh, that's right. But the other day I got an email from the Prince store, newsletter, foundation, whatever. They were trying to sell me sheets, bed sheets and pillowcases. And I thought, <laughs> this is not what Prince would have been about. <laughs> not happy how they're handling his legacy, but that's just my opinion. I believe, you know, he was a true artist. So it's Prince. So your favorite yeah. song from Prince was or is? Oh, it's one that I sing all the time. You sexy MF. When I sing it to myself. <laughs> <laughs> so Prince, Madonna, well, Cindy Lauper, I heard you say earlier. Yes, but she didn't really have stuff out that then. But I think more than Madonna was Janet Jackson, because I think you were either Madonna camp in the Madonna camp or the Janet Jackson camp. And I was more into the Janet Jackson camp. And um, in 10th grade, Leonard for my birthday, he gave me uh, Janet Jackson's 1814 uh, cassette tape. And I listened to that a lot, all the time. Just that was one of my favorites, Janet Jackson. It's not Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. That was, that was thoughtful of him that, that uh, to, to, to give you a gift. I might've nagged him into it or his mom might've told him to give it to me. Cause whenever I talked to his mom a lot, whenever we'd go to his house, I would just sit and, you know, the mom would talk to me. She's like, Hey, have you had dinner? And I'd want to say yes or whatever. She's like, come sit, have a bowl of chili. Like, okay. So while everybody was playing upstairs, I was hanging out with his mom. That was really sweet. Would you just go there after school with Rick and. No, no, this is during the summer. Okay. Hanging out. Y'all are not related, right? No. Okay. Best movie ever. Best? Or shows that you were into back then? Ah, uh, oh, I forgot movies. Hmm. I guess single white female comes to mind. <laughs> but I think that was after high school. But TV shows, gosh, I was looking this up and I came up with a list. And I remembered that I was really into NBC on Thursday nights. So that was Cheers and Night Court. And then there was Quantum Leap, Blossom. There's Erie, Indiana, Wings, Dear John. Then on the weekends was Golden Girls and Empty Nest. And there was also Dark Shadows, uh, Unsolved Mysteries, Different World, 2020. And I also watched 
a Canadian show called Degrassi on PBS. I love Degrassi. Oh they, were in the same, they were in the same grade as us, and I just thought they were so cool. You can watch all those reruns on Tubi. Do you, ever, do you subscribe to Tubi? I UBI TV? It's fun. You get to do all those retro shows. Um, okay, so we've all heard uh, in the past interviews, people being asked, what Laredo words or phrases do you still use from your youth? Uh, I know we haven't gotten to where you are. A uh, little bit of a spoiler, you're in Lubbock. What phrases from Laredo do you still use that pretty much show everybody you're from Laredo? Well, Inga, obviously, here. Uh, that, that's, yeah, nobody knows what I mean. What I mean. But one that I always use You typically is, go around Lubbock saying the word Ganga. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, girl, Ganga, what's up? <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, Oh, burn. That's one that I always say to myself, but I have to like whisper it to myself because I know nobody knows what I mean, but I'm like, oh, burn. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, any items that you kept from high school? Just my yearbook. Which we all heard from. Did I write mm-hmm. in it? What did I put? Yes. I bet you I know what I put. What you did you I bet you I put do the Vogue. Probably. I don't know. Let's see. You wrote in silver ink, which is really hard to read. Let's see. Missy, I can't believe that 12 years have passed. It seems like just yesterday we were calling each other names and in first grade. Who would have even thought we would become such good friends? Oh, you thought we were good friends. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Missy, I really, I will really miss you. You've something a wonder you've been a wonderful friend thanks for all the memories good luck and god bless i'll always be thinking of you after fall in i momentarily something but i've i know we won't lose touch forever young love and peace in the world love you forever matt garcia slash heatwave boiler no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> that was a very nice thing for me to put i didn't realize i would say nice things <laughs> <laughs> little did i know that there was no way that i would not lose touch with you and that we would end up in college together yeah and speaking of that we're fast forward a little bit and it's high school graduation it's the next day you wake up, where are you, where are you headed, and what happened? Well, my mother had a conversation with me saying that I had to find a job, and I went out there, and I really tried, but it's hard when you're also taking care of your younger brothers at home in the evening. So she said, well, if you're not going to work, volunteer. So I would volunteer at Mercy. I was a candy striper that summer and I was basically there like six hours every day because <laughs> my parents wanted me out of the house would she give and, you a ride or to to the yes, job to okay. make sure that I went to my volunteer <laughs> job and while I was there there was a job opening that came up for a pharmacy tech because I worked in the I volunteered in the pharmacy and oh side note Elsa's brother worked in the pharmacy too but he was getting paid. And so a job opening came up 
around the 4th of July or end of June, early July. And I applied, but I didn't even get an interview. And the person who ended up getting the job was the son of a doctor. Well, 4th of July weekend comes along and he's scheduled to work and he just doesn't show up. Oh no. And they had to call somebody or somebody had to do a double shift and stuff and cover his shifts. And they ended up firing him. And then all the techs kind of, I don't want to say union because it's Texas, but they kind of all got together and went to the head pharmacist and the assistant head pharmacist and said, look, hire Melissa because she knows the job already. She's trained for it. So I filled out the application and I think maybe they interviewed me and I got the job. Wow. But it wasn't until after, because somebody, when the, there were a couple of people there who were kind of like the leaders of everyone. And they kept telling me, apply, apply, apply. And I said, I, I've already applied. I didn't get it. Obviously, they don't want me. I have to find something else. And they were like, no, apply. And I, I was dumb. I didn't kind of get what they were meaning. <laughs> and it wasn't until a few weeks after I got my job that um, one of them, Tara, she said, everyone here went, went you know, to bat for you. We all went to the head pharmacist and told her to hire you. So I appreciated that. And I was there for two years and one winter break. So, oh, and so how did you feel when, when, when they told you, when they told you that I felt like I couldn't mess up and I felt grateful also because then I had a job, which was very flexible. I could take the crappiest shifts the weekend shifts, the evening shifts, the night shifts, and go to college, go to Laredo Junior College during the day. So I- Wait, I, but how could you do the evening shifts and the weekends if you were helping at home? Did your mom finally kind of like realize that you needed to have your own life? Uh, no, by that point, my dad was more at home. My dad, okay. yeah, he was at home more. And- um, I think that fall, the fall of our senior year was the last fall that he worked out of town. Although my dad was very, is very feminist. There are some things that he won't do. Like he'll hang out laundry after the sun is down, but he won't during the day. And then he can only do so many loads that way. And he'd wash dishes, but only at night when the neighbors couldn't see him. So obviously they needed somebody to wash dishes during the day. That's hilarious. Yeah. So you did that for... Sounds like two, two, you said two and a half years. Two years. And did you get your associates at LJC or? I did at LCC because they changed names uh, our, my second year there. They did not become Harvard on the Rio. They became Laredo Community College. It was no longer junior college. So, yes, I did get an associates in arts, I guess. I don't know. Or science. And then, and then what did you do then? And then, well, interestingly enough, my spring semester or that, yeah, around that time, um, as I said, my dad was home more and I was just in the kitchen, I don't know, just doing whatever. My dad comes over and he says, you need to think about moving or leaving. Your and dad said this to you? Yes. And I thought from the <laughs> okay. kitchen, I must've been really dense or had a lot of things on my mind. Cause I'm like from the kitchen but do you need to sit here? Or something? <laughs> and he said, no, you need to leave town. You need to go out of town. Because at that point, I was just going to transfer to TAMIU and major in English and become a teacher. I thought that would be the most sensible thing to do. And my dad said, no, you need to, you need to leave. You need to go live in other cities. 
be exposed to other people, other ideas, just get, get out <laughs> basically. So I'm like, he's kicking me out. And I don't think he had discussed this with my mother because my mother was really upset at that. My mother wanted, if my mother could have us all living at home right now, <laughs> she would be happy She'd be like a pig in mud, but yeah, there's my dad. Of course, my dad had been on his own since he was a teenager and he had just, he's the kind who would just pick up and go, but yeah, he's told me that I needed to leave. So at that point, while I was working in the pharmacy, Jennifer Maldonado was working as a volunteer there because she wanted to study uh, pharmacy and she thought it would give her a good background before starting pharmacy school. And she said, we'll come up to Austin and we'll be roomies. I'm like, okay, we can be roommates. And I thought, well, I'll just go to um, Southwest Texas and San Marcos. Cause I thought UT was hard. I thought they won't accept me. And I thought, well, I'll just, you know, and then she said, don't be dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you want to commute? Just apply to UT. So I applied at UT and I was accepted into the journalism program. And that was it's one of the top. I mean, if I remember correctly, the communication school is like number one or number two. Excuse me, it's the College of Communication and then it's the School of Journalism. Uh, There's a whatever. distinction. I, there is a distinction. I have a Bachelor's of Journalism, I have a BJ, not a BA or a BS, <laughs> Bachelor's of Journalism, and it's distinctive to UT. So I had to decide which track I was going to take either public relations, broadcast, news and public affairs or magazine. And I talked to one of my English teachers from Laredo College, community college, and she had been, she got her uh, master's at UT. So I just went to her for advice and she said, well, look, this is what you'll get from each of these programs. And she said that magazine would probably give me the most exposure to most things. And I thought, well, yeah, I like magazines anyway. I, I like feature writing. I like long, lengthier writing. And she said, well, you'll get good experience doing that way. And then you'll also learn design and um, just how to build newsletters and magazines. So it'll be a good experience. So I enrolled in the magazine sequence, which sadly no longer exists. <laughs> <laughs> and Jennifer Maldonado, did you end up booming with her? We did. And then because I guess we both grew up in rough neighborhoods, we thought uh, maybe we should have a guy move in with us to have a male presence so in case anybody wants to break in or is casing the joint, they'll see a guy and, you know, they'll think twice. And that guy ended up being Felix Esquivel. <laughs> oh, I love it. Because <laughs> Felix would scare everybody away, huh? <laughs> Although he is, I believe, if I if, if he works for the police department, doesn't he? I have no idea. And then that. he brought in Tony Gatto. And so there were four of us living in. Yeah, he was somebody from. Was he from Nixon? No, he went to San Agustin and then he was at Laredo Community College and he was Felix's friend. So we all ended up living in Austin together. I do remember that um, uh, y'all, you know, learning that you were going to come to Austin and Felix was going to be there and, um, and remember some of the college parties that you used to th th throw. I, uh, parties, I don't. Well, I don't know what they were. I guess they were little get-togethers, <laughs> but they were they were a lot of fun. And and uh, but man, y'all chose to live way the heck up north, and so it was always 
a truck to try to figure out, okay, what bus is going to get me there? Because, you know, I was so cool. (laughs) I I was so cool that way. You know, I rolled that way. So um, you got, uh, you went to UT journalism. Um, Did you end up getting a job in journalism after that? Or what what did you end up doing in your 20s? My 20s, I did end up working in journalism. However, it was uh, in cable news, something I had no experience in. But because I had lived in Austin for so long, the news um, assignment editor, manager person, he wanted somebody who was familiar with Austin and having been your chauffeur for you know, X number of years, I pretty much knew my way around Austin pretty good. <laughs> and then there were some, there was some expansion with other sister stations and then they weren't making money. So there were going to be a bunch of layoffs. And then I found out that I was going to be one of the people who were going to get laid off. So fortunately they told me before, well, they, one person close friend of mine who was in those meetings said, uh, you better start looking for another job. And at that point I had been working at the TV station and I had also been working as a freelance reporter for an online newsletter. So I had bylines and from the station, I was tired of shift work because you, it was like working in the hospital. You work weekends, you work mornings. At one point I was going in at three in the morning, you work evenings. So the shift work in the holidays and the weekends, that wasn't fun anymore. And so I thought I would try for public relations. I thought that seemed easy enough, but unfortunately in a place like Austin, unless you're in front of TV, in front of a TV camera, nobody understands what else that there are other people involved in news. And I wasn't getting any job offers or any calls or anything for that. So I expanded my area of where I was looking. And coincidentally, Tammy was hiring for somebody in public relations. And I had uh, news clips and bylines that I could show to them that I was a good writer. And the other person that they interviewed was from our sister station in San Antonio. And she was an on-camera reporter. And I thought for sure they were going to give the job to her, but it's two different writing skill sets. So I ended up getting the job. Wow. So you went from working in news aid to working in academia in the public relations department. Mm-hmm. Had you met your husband by that time or not yet? I had. I met Richard when I started working at a translation company. He was a proofreader and I was working in the production part, um, making copies and um, just cutting and circling and doing a bunch of graphics stuff. And he, um, he and I started on as friends and I was curious to pick his brain because he one was so smart. He was in, sounding and hearing just listening to him was always a joy because he had a deep bass not bass baritone voice in this kind of west texas twang so i always thought he sounded like patrick stewart and tommy lee jones combined that you know just <laughs> listening to him was great and i wanted to pick his brain because he had done all the things that i wanted to do he had worked in magazines in new york he had worked at a publishing house in washington dc he had worked as a, he had worked in yosemite and he had lived in California, he had done all these things. And I wanted, these were things that I wanted to do. I wanted to move to New York and work in a magazine. And he was just kind enough to talk to me. And we were just talking and we became friends. And then we fell in love and got married. 
had Daniel. And when I got the job at TAMU, we had already been married for uh, six, seven years, something like that. Oh my God, it was your mom's dream come true. Yeah, well, except I was bringing- Except I was bringing- a grandson. And except I was bringing my husband. Yeah, she didn't okay. want that. She, my family didn't like Richard at all what? for a long time. Really? Mm-hmm. He's such a good man, Richard. But he was older. He's 20 years older. <laughs> <laughs> he was 20 years older and he was white. Unbolio. Yeah, although they never called him that. <laughs> More like a gringo. So yeah, that's how I ended up at TAMU. But the 20, my 20s also are kind of like a mix of, I was just so angry a lot of the time. I was just angry. I was angry at when you're in news and you see all this stuff that happens and there's nothing you can do and you can report on it, but rarely anything, any change comes of it. That was frustrating. And then I don't being in, like you said, being in academia, but a lot of the things that were happening there were, you know, people were writing it like it was a kindergarten. And that was frustrating too. So it was, I was angry a lot in my twenties and not like the violent, like where I would beat my kid angry, but I was just very short fused and, and, and angry. Just did some of that anger get carried over from high school? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't remember being, I was short tempered in high school, but in my twenties, I was not short tempered. I would just kind of grin and bear it. I'd get angry, but you know, it's just, I was more passive aggressive than I was violent in my twenties. Believe me, I was the queen of pass- passive aggressiveness. So you were attending you, did you stay in touch with people from high school while you, um, and people that you were at Austin with? Yeah, surprisingly, a friend of mine, Ray Martinez, he was a couple of years ahead of us. He was in Austin for a conference and he would go visit me at the TV station. And that was always kind of neat and funny. And I remember one time he went to visit, he's like, where do people buy fried chicken around here? (laughs) Like, oh, you have to go to the Mexican neighborhoods or the black neighborhoods because at the time there were Mexican American and black neighborhoods. Not anymore. Completely gentrified now. Yeah. uh, You know, I mean, I was looking at the um, home, I guess, home prices and stuff. Right. I know the market is crazy everywhere, but right now, for you know, for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars gets you a six hundred square foot apartment in Austin. I mean, and that's, it's literally an apartment. Like it was the apartments that we used to live in, in college, and they've turned them into residences. Oh, wow. And so, you know, think of the studio, think of the one bedroom, one bath that we all used to live in. And you can pretty much buy that. And they're going for about 230, 280, you know, it kind of ebbs and flows, but. Where do students live? The, that was a really good thing about that location. It was, you know, on the way to UT and so close to St. Ed's. Where, well, they built a lot of new apartments in in Austin. A lot of a lot of it catering to people who have a little bit of money and or some money. But I do think I am afraid that 
a lot of students just get a lot of money off of financial aid. And unfortunately, you know, when you borrow a lot of money, then you're kind of limited in your choices. And so I think yeah. it limits their ability to get that, you know, sometimes the best jobs right after college or high school are those that don't pay very much, but you end up getting a lot of experience. And if you owe a lot of money, you can't necessarily get those jobs uh, because you got to pay your student loans back. Well, I still couldn't get a job in Austin with my pharmacy tech background. And I was a certified pharmacy tech. I still couldn't get a job. Yeah, it's so. just it's just hard sometimes. But now I think, you know, everything's cyclical. So like the market right now is really employee. Um focused and it's hard to hire anybody but I even see that in Laredo too like my mom tried to go to the Whataburger the other day and she's like the drive throughs open all the time but the dining room's only open in the evenings or for lunch I don't know one or the other because they just can't keep enough people but on the other side they're reporting record profits I know right they're keeping so all people the are the people at the top are hoarding cash yeah. I mean, it breaks my heart when I see people who should be retired handing me my coffee at McDonald's. It just breaks my heart. And there was a place where I would get my hair cut in Lareno. And that woman had basically three jobs. She cut hair, she worked at McDonald's, and she was in her 50s or 60s. And she took care of her grandchildren. I mean, why does this woman have so many jobs? I'm not saying she made maybe may or not have maybe she made bad choices or maybe she didn't have the opportunity to get a better job but I mean obviously she had some skills you couldn't say she was unskilled but she could not afford to live alone on one job which is just it just would break my heart now you're not at Tammy U anymore right you're you're at Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center yes so I left Tammy U there was no growth for me there and Daniel was out of high school and he was living in Denton. And I saw a job opening in Bandera at Bandera Electric Co-op. So I was there for less than a year, but it was just really, I mean, cause housing there was really expensive too. And I didn't want a long commute. So I was there a few months and then I saw this job opening here at the Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center for an assistant director for media relations. And I applied and got that job. And then we moved here. So. Wow. So when you're not doing your media relations in Lubbock, what are you, what are you doing in your spare time? I knit, I crochet, I make jam, I make fruit butter, I watch movies, I read books, well, I take I see, drives. I see that F future homemaker skills kind of coming out there <laughs> who would have thought well it's just fun and fast to make it's just it's just neat to make your own you know jam and I try to have fun with it like one of my favorite things to do is strawberry tequila jam mm, that so that's made good. with strawberry agave syrup and tequila so if you have diabetes you can eat it <laughs> because it doesn't have sugar <laughs> Now you've talked a little bit about Daniel. Um, is he your one and only? Is he? Is do you, do you see similarities of you and him? Yes, Daniel is my son, and I see him trying to be like his father because his dad was so smart <laughs> and just easygoing 
and but I see him I see a little bit of my qualities in him I guess I don't know I forget which ones the kindness in him the Um, yeah, I'm not sure I see that part, but okay, we'll <laughs> run with that. If that's your, if that's his, your regulation, uh, regulation, his good looks, his his, oh, um, yeah. he, go. he's very good looking. So that he gets from me. His height obviously is from his dad. Is uh, is he your biggest joy in your life? No, <laughs> <laughs> Missy, what is your biggest joy in your life? It would not be fair for me to say that he's the biggest joy in my life because that's a lot of pressure on one person. So the biggest joy in my life, I guess, are the memories or the experiences that we've had. We, we've just had a lot of silly, fun experiences. We've, we were big on road trips because we are poor. We couldn't afford plane tickets for all of us. Plus, for many years, we would come and visit my mother-in-law in West Texas, and we would spend a lot of time with her. And any time that we could, we would come and see her. So pretty much all the time that we spent together, that was fun. Although, of course, if you're in a, in a car with two other people, eventually you must fight. So we would all take turns being upset and angry and fighting. But, event, you know, it was, it was always a good time. Lots of um, fighting, lots of farting. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yes, a lot of. Oh, wait, I think I hear something in the car, and then yeah, pull over, and then farting. Because you know we we don't want to be rude that way. But I think another big joy is knowing that I know how to do my job, and I know a lot of our identities are caught up with our work and our jobs. But when I was at Tamu, I forgot forgot that I knew a lot more. I forgot that I was a savvy journalist. I forgot that I was a good writer and a good storyteller. So when all that stuff came back that I remembered, oh yeah, I know how to do this stuff. That's a big joy. Just remembering, I I know what I'm doing. And another joy was getting my master's in um, later in life. I was older than most of my professors, all but one. And going back to school was really difficult because I hadn't really, I hadn't been in school in the, you know, for years. And I learned a lot. I retained a lot and my grades are better than when I was an undergrad. So that was big, big joy, just being able to accomplish that. And Richard was always very supportive. Richard was very helpful. He was, he just loved that I was doing it. He had been pushing me to do it for a long time. And I finally did, and he was so proud. So. And was that uh, was that a what, what, what kind of degree was that? Was that a master's in communications, or what? It, what is it? No, a master's in history and political thought. Oh, interesting. Yes, that would be the school of government. No, it was the it was Tamu, so school of arts and humanities. Okay, because history is humanities. And um, did you experience any difficulties or um, or any major difficulties after high school? Yes. <laughs> Obviously. Well, I still tell people that I'm recovering from the 2001 recession because <laughs> that Richard was laid off and 
but it, it turned out to be a good thing because then he stayed at home with Daniel. He was watching Daniel and I, Daniel would not have been as smart as he is or as quick as he is now if it wasn't for Richard raising him basically and while he was developing. So that turned out to be a blessing. But still, when you work in news, the salaries are very low. So we had to, we struggled financially, obviously, on my pittance of a salary. And then when we moved to Laredo, a year after we were there, Richard was diagnosed with cancer, head and neck cancer. And that was really difficult because it took a long time for him to recover from it. And even then he couldn't, he didn't recover completely. So that was, that was difficult. One, having seen him having to go through chemotherapy and radiation and just not being able to eat and just being in pain that was difficult and not really being able to be there all the time because we had a young child that I had to take care of. Plus I had to work in order to have insurance to pay for his um, procedures. But eventually we got through that. And um, unfortunately his cancer came back and this time it just, he couldn't fight it off. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, that's what you get for smoking. That's what you got for smoking. He's he's smoking for since he was a teenager. And if was it that now, was it really smoking that 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 is that was a silent killer here? Yes, he had a tumor in his in his esophagus, and it grew over the the summer, and it was very aggressive, and there was no way that they could. Um, deal with it they couldn't perform surgery without any risk that he couldn't have uh, chemotherapy without any risk i don't even know if he could have chemotherapy again but there were a lot of issues and risks and it's so weird because you look at the packaging of over the last 50 or 60 years it certainly you know changed the way it's been depicted but um you look at the packaging and it just tells you right off the bat in big letters like this is going to kill you this hurts or you know, whatever big, I guess it's just so addictive. It, must it be. is addictive. Did also, you smoke? have you ever I, smoked? Not nicotine, but <laughs> he was also afraid of getting Alzheimer's. He was his family, his mother, his uncle, his aunt. His his aunt had early onset Alzheimer's. And she got it in her forties, so he was absolutely terrified of that. And I'll be honest, I was afraid of him getting Alzheimer's too, because when you have Alzheimer's, you become very aggressive and mean and need round the clock care. And I didn't know if I was going to be strong enough to put up with all that or be able to afford to get him round the clock care or have anyone be able to stay with him for that care. And that's one of the, I, I guess he thought rather go out fast and slow. Well, there you have it. I mean, but well, he didn't ask me what I preferred, but. <laughs> ah, man, they rarely do, do they? I know, but we spent 24 hours, 24 hours, 24 years <laughs> together. And, and it's just, you know, it is sad. And, and he was smart. He was a very smart person. He had lived as a vegetarian for a third of his life. He exercised daily. He read, he kept active, but he was just so terrified of Alzheimer's. Because it, it did his mother in really quickly. And 
she was otherwise very healthy, but it wasn't until COVID got her, but she, she would probably still be alive today if it wasn't for COVID. She was that healthy, but her mind was gone. Well, speaking of quote unquote, old people things, any old people things that you're doing these days? Oh my goodness. I've been doing old people things since forever. I'm very judgmental. (laughs) (laughs) No, I would have never guessed. I groan when I sit down or stand up. I, um, what else? I do practice swallowing because that's something that old people forget to do or their bodies can no longer do with age. So sometimes when old people, they die from asphyxiating on their food or even water, they can't swallow. So I practice swallowing daily and I suggest you do it too. (laughs) Now, if you could tell your younger self back in August of 1991, just as you were about to, I guess you would have been out in the field somewhere and some Laredo heat as you were getting ready to start your senior year. Um, what would you what would you tell yourself and why? Why would, I would you tell yourself? I would tell myself, walk to the counselor's office and become a garrapata on her. Get information that you need to go to college and ask her what the process is. Because even though my sister had gone to college, I had no idea when to fill out applications, how to fill out applications. I thought I had no idea that you could get fee waivers. I mean, one of, I mean, the main reason I didn't apply to anywhere, but Laredo community college was because I could not, my family could not afford for me to apply to several universities. I had no idea you could get fee, fee waivers. If I had known that I would have applied sooner. No, I, but, I will say that I think I do remember the um, the counselor people, and and I think they were a little biased. I always wondered. I mean, I remember that they would take people on college trips. Yeah, and I'm just like, how do you do that? Like, how do you get invited to do that? Like the whole college application thing was really a mystery. Yep, that and the tours, absolutely. I had and no idea so, that they would cover for you. Yeah. And so um, it was just something that I, I felt like they kept some knowledge from us. And, you know, I mean, I was a pretty smart kid and, and luck, you know, luckily my parents were very pro academics. And so, you know, my mom helped me quite a bit, but it was always a little unnerving. I, I always thought they could have done a better job about helping us. Absolutely. I agree, which is why I really enjoyed and I enjoy working in higher ed because I know that there are other students out there who have no clue. So any chance that I can help them or make it easier for them, I'm going to take it. Now, the 90s, anything that you miss about the 90s? You didn't ask me what I would tell myself after graduation. Oh, you're right. What would you tell yourself after graduation? That ambition for a woman is not a bad thing. Elaborate a little on that. I think my senior year, I was hopeful and I wanted to do a lot of things. And then as, you know, life happens, life goes on, you become more embarrassed of your goals and your ambitions. And especially if you're a woman, 
people are like, who's going to let you, or you're not, you can't do that on your own, that kind of stuff. So really you think in this day and age back then Mm, that's true yeah now screw everybody (laughs) do what i want so what do you miss most about the 90s i miss about the 90s independent movies movies that didn't last two hours you could watch a movie and be done in 80 minutes or 90 minutes i miss Uh, the thing with all the netflix movies they all last like now, this is an old person thing, I think, to dislike movies at last, you know, because my sciatica or whatever. Uh, <laughs> have to go to the bathroom too many times. But yeah, it's like two hours and eight minutes. I'm like, yeah, um, no yeah. movie is that great if you can't say what you want to say in in a shorter period of time, then I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, independent movies were fun. I remember going to the Adobe Oh, I remember you used to take me to all those independent (laughs) movies. And then you took me to see The Crying Game. That was in Laredo. That was Was that in Laredo? Oh, my (laughs) God. That was at the plaza. Yes. And you fooled me. because I had no idea that was going to happen. Oh, I was so scandalized for many reasons. But, oh, that was the worst movie. And it's a dumb movie. It was a dumb movie. The movie's dumb. I don't know. I like Stephen Ray. Stephen Ray's sexy. You, you, you thought it was a pretty good movie? It's not Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's just uh, that's a dumb movie. <laughs> uh, what don't you miss about the 90s? I don't. Okay, well, one other thing that I do miss is vamp lipstick and nail polish and chunky heels. Okay, so what I don't miss about the 90s and uh this is going to sound like I was influenced by Cisco, but I, maybe I was a bit, but I don't miss us having a laugh and sit through misogynistic jokes or sexist jokes or anything like that. Having to laugh at um, other people's expense or having to make excuses for people. I think that happened a lot. And we just had to put up with a lot of the uh, sexism. And I don't, I mean, this still happens, but I don't miss as rampant as it was when I worked in the pharmacy. Oh my God, it was bad. And it was bad in high school too, but you figure as an adult, people, married adults would behave themselves, but they didn't. And I was supposed to be flattered by it. And I'm like, how am I supposed to be by flattered by somebody who looks like a toad? No, thank you. (laughs) But I couldn't complain. I couldn't talk back. That's just what happened. I know it's funny watching uh, old talk shows or, uh, you know, old nostalgic videos and stuff and what people would say. And you listen to that now and, and sometimes you're just like, oh, my God, I can't believe they just said that. You know, I mean, that's a completely sexist thing to say. Yeah, that's a really interesting thought. I, I hadn't picked up on that in Cisco's interview, but now that you mention it, you know, that is one thing that I just don't miss in general. But I do think in some ways society, I think society sometimes goes overboard, but just the fact that we're just much more conscientious about other people's feelings, I think that's just a win. Yeah, and I think when you make fun of something, it's because you're insecure about whatever. And the fact that I don't want anybody 
hitting on me as I'm working or coming up and rubbing behind me as I'm bending over to pick up a box. I mean, that's, it's not that it's less acceptable now. It's, it shouldn't have been acceptable then, but I should have been confident enough to turn around and say, get off of me, get away, stop doing that, that kind of stuff. Or it's not funny or it just not listening. Not or giving them the any confidence space. to say those things, mm-hmm. but to have the confidence to say those things and then, and then hold people accountable. Right. Because so many times people have said things and then the backlash, you know, from the hierarchy mm-hmm. is, oh, well, they didn't mean anything by it. Or it's just guys being guys. Or Yeah. Can't you take a joke? Yeah. They say, can't you take a joke? Or you should be flattered. It's like, mm-hmm. what? Or they yeah. just don't believe you because you're not a skinny person. Like, why would anybody hit on you? Well, because I was there. Basically. Yeah. So any advice for the class of 2022? Absolutely. Strike first. No, wait, that's Cobra Kai. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is very important. Now listen closely. Take care of your teeth. Even if you have to go to Novaredo to get your teeth cleaning, take care of your teeth. Swallow practicing. Swallow practicing. But that's advice for you, Matt, for older people. <laughs> take care of your hearing. Or you'll be going ha 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 all the time. And hearing is something you can't get back unless you use a hearing aid. And those are expensive. Take care of your skin. Hearing. Exactly. (laughs) Take care of your skin. It is never too late to start taking care of your skin. Don't tan. Don't um not don't wear don't go outside without wearing any protection. Definitely take care of your skin. And try to read daily or at least a book a month because reading builds empathy. And I think what's problem, the problem with society and people will say, oh, it's social media, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's the lack of empathy because people don't read. A lot of people don't read regardless of age. So read at How least a reading book a month. Of empathy? Because you read about what other people go through. You read about different situations, different places, different experiences, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. And you hear other voices, not just your own. Any shout outs to anyone? I want to give a shout out to Gabby Canoluna. Gabby. Gabby Cano, shout Gabby out. Gana, shout out to Gabby. Woo-hoo. Who else? Um, I don't know. Everyone. I guess. Shout out to shout out to all my homies, all my peeps, all my gangas. Okay, you're making a mixtape. Tell me the five or ten songs for the class of '92. Okay, this is gonna be um, so gay. Excuse uh, me. Did we not just talk about empathy and how you know we're happy that we left a lot of these uh, digs back in the '90s, and here you are. You see the derogative term for it's not a derogative term. And these songs are really gay. Constant (laughs) Craving, Katie Lang. Oh, okay. They are gay. Oh my gosh. Let the beat hit him. Lisa Leeson called Jam with Whole Force. Running back to you, Vanessa Williams, Change, Lisa Stansfield, uh, Rescue Me by Madonna, Touch Me All Night Long by Kathy Dennis, CeCe Peniston, finally, 
Runaway Delight, A Deeper Love by CNC Music Factory. And finally, My Name is Prince by Prince. You had to close with a Prince song. Yes, I did. Um, now let's go to the lightning round. Dun, dun, dun. Last TV show you binged? Bosch Legacy, although all day I've been watching The Wire. One of my favorite shows, probably my favorite show. But Bosch Legacy and The Wire. Favorite movie from the 90s? Dun, dun, dun. Mm, I don't know. Uh, is, is Queen of Priscilla, uh, The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah. I'll give you that one. That from the 90s, you still think is super cool. Fanny packs. Fanny packs. Mm-hmm. Practical. My favorite drink right now is Starbucks strawberry slash pink drink. It changes, but right now that's my go-to. Signature dish that you cook or something you bake. I like to slash cook bake and they are chicken fingers and it comes out, the chicken breasts come out like that franchise that, uh, you know, doesn't like this month. But the key is that you kind of fry them in the oven with real butter and panko. So that's my cook slash bake, but baking also, I make an awesome pumpkin cheesecake. Mm, It's delicious. Mm, Sounds good. It is. Flying or road trips? I like road trips. And the dreaded question of all time, pineapple on pizza. Only with ham. Nice. Last question. What tape do you still have from high school that you have played the most? Oh, that would be Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814. Okay. And Madonna's Greatest Hits. One more (laughs) last question. I'm sure I missed a question or two during the interview, mostly because I was captivated with your answers or surprised by some. Anything you wanted to talk about or anything I missed that you wanted to touch on before we close? Yes, there is. And and I guess this goes back to one of the other things that I don't miss about the 1990s. And that is, goes along with the sexism and the slut shaming. One of my brothers is biologically my nephew. My sister had him when she was 13, 14 years old. And throughout my entire academic career, you know, until high school, I carried that as a burden and as a shame. And it was, it really kind of defined a lot of things of what I did and the control that my mother had over me, because she assumed if you have one child who is a teen mother, you're going to have another child who's a teen mother. And of course, now the way we think about it is there was no way someone that young could ever consent. So she was raped. And and that, that shame and embarrassment that I felt is not, not that it's alleviated a bit, but I don't feel as responsible anymore for that because it's a shame that you live with. And I remember being teased about it in school. It's like, oh, that's not your brother. That's your nephew. I mean, what do you say? How do you respond to that? And that was just such a source of anger, I think, and resentment also. And then not only that, having to watch over this person who is my brother, nephew, and 
I mean, I, I love him dearly and he's, I consider him my brother, but it was just this big cloud hanging over me through so much of my life. And, um, yeah. So that, that really, hmm? are you still, are you still angry? I'm angry at how my sister was treated. And I'm angry that people will point and laugh at us. That's what I'm angry at. Because again, what 12 or 13 year old can consent to sex back then now in some backwoods country anywhere, it's ridiculous. And she was a victim and it, uh, it, it was hard to live with that. It was hard to live with such a huge secret in our house. That was a secret. It's like, I thought you just had one brother. No, I have two. And how do you explain that? And some people just, you know, didn't think anything of it, but I mean, it was, it was that funny secret, that funny thing that people don't know about you. Well, and it's, it's unfortunate because it's, you know, it's a way for people to retain power. It's a way for people to continue to re-victimize the victims. And exactly. at some point, we have to stop and say, no, we're not going to put up with that anymore. Yes. You know, that's not what we believe as a society. But, but it starts with talking about it, I think. And, and once you start talking about it and you assign labels, then I think you start taking the power away from those people. And it comes back to the, to the community where it belongs to start grappling with the issues. Absolutely. Like I said, so much of what I could and couldn't do was because of that, because my sister was a teen mother. I couldn't go across and party with everyone else. Um, Overnights, really, that was out of the question one, because I had to babysit, but also who knows, do they have an older brother? You know, always that thing, always the accusatory, if I was late on my period, uh, are you pregnant? It's like, what? No, I've been home all this time. (laughs) So I'm that holy. So, so much of that, like I said, the controlling, which, which is why I go back to my dad being, you know, the biggest influence because he's the one who told me get out of here. And I was free of all that. Well, and it isn't that Laredo couldn't offer you, you know, experiences or a good life because I think Laredo's a great place to live a great place to raise kids. You know, it, it, it is a wonderful place. I mean, we're all from Laredo. We're all gifted with that gift, but it, there is something to say about getting other experiences from other places. And your dad was a well-traveled person and I'm sure he knew what was best for you. And it, it, it impresses me. I mean, being a, a father, you know, I dread the day that my daughter has to go away for school or you know it's going to leave the house I mean I I I think that would be a I think I will feel very sad and for him to say that to you was just show how much he loves you to be able to say you I want you to leave this house so that you could go and experience that I mean I'm sure a part of him was sad saying that but he knew it was the right thing to say Yeah, I never went back and asked him, but he pretty much said why I needed to leave. I needed to experience new things. 
Well, I'm glad you did. And I am so grateful. And I think many of us are grateful for this podcast series that you uh, that you help birth uh, and give life to. I think it's been fun to listen to our classmates. It's certainly been great listening to you hear about all the things that you've been doing. And um, hopefully we can keep this going and we can get some more of our classmates to, to join in on the fund. Yes, and one more thing, Matt. Stop suggesting multiple guests on the podcast. That is a nightmare. <laughs> it would be a nightmare to edit. You know, you, you know, you sometimes you just gotta push the envelope. No. And I have always been one to push the envelope. No. Nope. Uh, from requiring clean bathrooms at Nixon High School to suggesting uh, team. Uh, interviews. You didn't ask me if I had been to the high school. Oh, I know I didn't ask you. Have you been to the high school? No. That's, that's why I didn't ask you. I knew the answer. <laughs> and with that, I leave us. Yes. That's a lot of Denise Sanchez Phillips is still sticking around. Go Mustangs. Mad out. <laughs> Dummy. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs>